the spatial web connecting humans, machines, and AI to transform the world. I'm Tanya Hall, and joining me is Gabriel Renee, author and executive director of Versus Labs and the Spatial Web Foundation. Welcome, Gabriel. Thank you for having me, Tanya. So what is the Spatial Web Foundation versus and Versus Labs, and what motivated you to co-found these organizations? Well, I think that as we're hitting the dawn of a, a new decade here, 2020, um, and really the beginning of a new century, um, we've seen the emergence of these extremely powerful new technologies, exponential technologies like artificial intelligence and the Internet of Things, um, spatial computing technologies like augmented and virtual reality, distributed technologies like blockchain and, and new forms of compute like edge. And the convergence of these exponential technologies uh, is creating a, a, a powerful new opportunity. Um, and the opportunity fundamentally is to make a new web, a web that with these powerful technologies that are listening to us and watching us and integrating all these uh, da massive data sets and, and, and robotics taking actions in the world and automated vehicles and drones, it's really time to build a new web on an ethical framework that includes privacy and security and really considers interoperability between these technologies. So we, we call that, um, whether you call it Web 3.0 or Industry 4.0, or the Japanese are calling it Society 5.0, um, we think that this is really about networking all these various technologies together, built on a new ethical framework, which we call the spatial web. And so the foundation, much like the World Wide Web Foundation, has been set up to develop uh, uh, and maintain those underlying uh, spatial protocols and spatial domains uh, as an open standard, working with other large standards groups around the world, uh, to start to enable this new framework, provide this new layer that uh, we believe will really be the basis for a new type of smart civilization uh, in the 21st century. So how do you, you define Web 2.0? And then how does the spatial web actually extend from that? Mm -hmm. Well, Web 1.0 is really about um, com connecting computers so that we could have a web that we could all read from. Um, web 2.0 really became kind of a read and write web where uh, blogs and social media um, and the ability to have this, this two-way conversation started to emerge ultimately powered by social media, but um, importantly, the interface uh, changed to mobile devices. So we kind of went from our, our home desktops um, into mobile devices and this two-way thing. Web 3.0 becomes a read, write, and execute web. It really was where these four trends of physical computing, um, like IoT uh, and robotics, um, uh, cognitive computing, like artificial intelligence and sort of smart contracts, um, uh, spatial computing, like AR and VR, and, um, and, uh, and, and then edge, edge compute and blockchain, which are more distributed computing, all converge together. The challenge is the protocols that we've been using for the last 30 years, like HTTP, which is fundamentally a text-based communication protocol, isn't well designed for physical computing and spatial computing and holograms and robotics. So Web 3.0, from our point of view, is about designing a new kind of protocol, a new language standard that is a spatial language, not a text-based language, that allows these various computing trends and the technologies associated with them to form new types of networks 
in the physical world that can take physical actions in the world, not just behind screens. So we define Web 3.0 as the spatial web. So give us a real world example of how the spatial web would work. Well, um, today, because of, of Web 2.0, one of the great innovations, which we didn't notice, is um, was the introduction of GPS into our mobile devices. It was really a big leap from our laptops because suddenly location became digitized. Where we were allowed certain kinds of spatial interactions to become automated and programmable. And what did we see? Billion dollar companies emerge out of nowhere and, and completely disrupt uh, the hotel industry or the taxi industry. So for example, Airbnb um, or Uber, in a way, these are spatial contracts where you're renting a space, um, you automate the entire process, you walk in, you walk out, and they charge you. In Uber, you tell them where you are, they pull up and you get in, you step out and they charge you. Amazon Go now is working on something similar for retail. You walk in, you grab what you want, you walk out. These are two-dimensional uh, spatial interactions, right, that are kind of fundamentally economic. One of the challenges, though, in the Web 2.0 era is that Unlike Web 1.0, where the browser was this open format that everyone could develop websites on, in Web 2.0, everyone started to make their own siloed apps. So you have to have a separate account for Uber and a separate app for Airbnb and a separate app for Amazon, right, in order to have these interactions. Um, you can kind of fast forward to the smart cities of the future and wonder um, if it's an Amazon-powered store, will, will I need the Amazon glasses and an Amazon account? And if Apple is powering a, another store or the city's running on Microsoft, will I require a HoloLens glasses or some other sort of interface? And which account is being used? Can I not just walk down the street in and out of stores, in and out of cars, in and out of business environments without having to switch devices and accounts? And because the original web never included an identity layer, Web 3.0, the spatial web, would then enable you to have this sort of spatial browser where all these different um, applications work more like browser plugins in the world where you might have, you might have an Apple glasses uh, or, or I might have a Microsoft or you know, some other folks might have a Google or, or, or uh, Amazon or Magic Leap or others. Cam cameras and automated vehicles are all able to use this browser as a way of seeing content and information in the world. So smart cities can project municipal data and everyone can see that. Uh, it's, not, it's not siloed in one sort of uh, platform or one sort of um, uh, interface. So all of the interactions that we have, whether it's the way that we program our supply chains and automated vehicles, ships, trucks, um, cars are able to hand products off between a robot and, a, and an automated vehicle, we're able to track those products into a retail environment where we can see holographically a wayfinding path that directs us right to that product. We can see the history of that product because blockchain has given us a data layer that we can trust that says, oh, this is certified organic or fair trade, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So all of these convergence of technologies start to interact in our, in our, in our enterprise environments, in our industrial environments, um, and in our in our, our our personal lives. So whether it's municipal data or it's a Harry Potter layer over the world, suddenly everyone interoperably, regardless of device or operating system like the web today, can interact with content, can interact with various devices and systems in a way that's fundamentally interoperable. So governments, employers, insurance companies, lending institutions, they all use public data, traffic cam images, machine learning and social media posts to, to make decisions 
about us, whether we like it or not. So what mm. evidence do you have to suggest that people want more of their activities, habits, and even thoughts cataloged and analyzed? Well, I think there's there's a double-edged sword there that, that comes with, um, you know, when we first started messing around with fire, we could use it to cook our food, but it also could burn down the entire village. So all of our, our adv advanced and exponential technologies come with that same challenge at scale. So the truth is, if I can be recognized and that can automate many of the functions in my life, then th that streamlines all my activities and improves the quality of my life. If my information is being used in ways that I don't know, it's being monetized, and essentially these data sets uh, are being used to manipulate me in various ways, um, then that's something I probably don't want. This is the challenges we're seeing right now in different cities with facial recognition cameras, um, huge issues around usage of data for, for social media. Um, you know, uh, Jack Dorsey today just announcing that Twitter is no longer going to be allowing um, political ads. These are the ethical, uh, challenges that we must wrestle with in the next couple of decades. I think that there is a key here, though, which is that data, unlike other forms of, um, uh, of, of intellectual property, are not defined as property. And so physical property, um, whether that's land property, whether it's, it's the items, the physical items in our lives, um, or it's intellectual property, which have laws to protect those, our data and our, our information isn't our property. So privacy is one part of that and certainly security around it. But the larger question is, whose data is this anyway? And fundamentally, this is a question about regulatory policy and there have been revolutions around the definitions of property from the days of, of being serfs amongst, um, you know, amongst the kings, where essentially the, the, the land was the commons, but controlled by, uh, by certain authorities. Today, in most many countries, um, property rights are the basis for our democratic uh, capability and our ability to um, define uh, even what our laws are around who can take something or not. If you take something that doesn't belong to you, it's illegal. So... Um, I don't know if it's, it's so much of a binary trade-off between um, whether or not it's good or bad. It's how does the entire system need to evolve over time so we get the benefits of these technologies while maintaining the sort of human rights that we've come to expect and that need to evolve in, the new, in this next century. All right, Gabrielle, how should individuals and organizations approach adopting the spatial web? Well, uh, 2020 is a big launch year for us. So uh, in the first quarter, we're going to be coming out with a, with a Spatial Web Symposium, where we'll start to showcase, along with, with many of our, our partners around the world, um, various applications of the technology. We'll be uh, uh, bringing beta partners on at that time. So uh, depending on the, the various applications, which typically are starting in, in more industrial and enterprise uh, space and less for consumers. Uh, we'll be showcasing that and releasing technical documentation and uh, and specifications, a number of videos, et cetera. Um, and then uh, later in the year, we will release the code uh, globally um, and make it available for everyone to start building on. So at one level, it's about um, uh, merely just uh, checking out the our latest book, which is on Amazon right now, which is The Spatial Web, which is where we've sort of put all of our, 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 our level one thoughts about this and getting acquainted with how these technologies might impact our day-to-day -day lives, 
no matter what tier of society that you happen to be in or what application or industry. And then secondarily, as we start to roll this out next year, there'll really be opportunities for developers to begin to build their own applications on top of it. And the web sites of today can become the web spaces of tomorrow. I like it. Gabrielle Renee, co-founder and executive director of Versus Labs and the Spatial Web Foundation, and also co-author of The Spatial Web, How Web 3.0 Will Connect Humans, Machines, and AI to Transform the World. If somebody wants to connect with you, maybe they want to get a copy of your book, what's the best way they can do that? Well, the book, you can go to amazon.com and search The Spatial Web. Um, it's been trending as a number one in the computer and technology space since we released it in September. Um, and we've reduced the price to 99 cents on Kindle because we really just want to disseminate the information. Um, so thank you for any support that comes there. Uh, if you'd like to learn more about The Spatial Web Foundation, come to thespatialweb.org. If you'd like to learn more about Versus Labs, where we're building integrations and applications on top of The Spatial Web, um, come to versus.io. You can follow me on Twitter at uh, greal1111, and um, you can follow me on LinkedIn uh, by my name, Gabriel Renee. All right. Thanks again, Gabriel. And if you guys want to find more of my interviews, you can do that right here or go to tanyahall.net. Thanks for watching.